today we're here with Stephen. Y'all, my life is not organized, and I'm hoping that this conversation is the catalyst to change that. (laughs) I'm not sure if that'll be the case, but we also have Shelly from Conquest Journals with us. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We're very excited to have you here. For one, I I don't know about Stephen, but I am a person that loves planners. My problem with tan, really any sort of planner, be it digital or like a tangible, like, you know, loose leaf planner, is that I start and I'm really good at the start. And then like, I forget for a week and then I try to come back to it and I'm behind and I'm trying to play catch up. And then I try to do this retroactive thing where I try to fill in what I did do. So I feel like I never lost it in the first place. And then it just becomes a mess. And then I find it like three years later on the like a pile in the corner of my room. And I'm like, oh yeah, there was that time I tried to be on top of my life. We have other things to help you. We have other things for that. So you you don't have to be um, a planner person and do the whole big planner thing. But yes, I I love planners. And it was actually my daughter who uh, got me started on planners. Um, She's a teacher now, ironically, in her first year teaching. Um, But she started out with, you know, sort of the spiral or the coil-bound Erin Condren planners, and she decorated. And, like, this is when she was in high school, and, like, her best friend came over, and they decorated their planners. And and, uh, I was like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool when we had this license, like, if we made a Harry Potter one? Um, At the time, nobody else was really making, when we first talked about this, making that planner for Harry Potter. So now there are lots of Harry Potter planners on the market, but... Um, but yeah, so that's, I mean, I, I love them. I use them every day and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have cool ones made. So I didn't use anybody else's stuff. My goal is to not use anybody else's paper goods ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I am one of those people that I prefer tangible planner. I've tried the digital and I can't track with digital. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how you guys got started. So where do you go from that concept of an idea to making it a reality? Well, when we first started, our origin story is kind of that my business partner um, had a t-shirt brand that he needed help with, um, you know, like back in 2009. And I lost my job in the advertising industry when the economy crashed in 08. Um, I had been in advertising and marketing my entire career. So I started helping him. And a few years later, we were at a um, Wizard World Comic Con in Portland. And um, I walked past the like plastic sleeves booth where you keep your photo ops and like the leather journal booth. And they were two of the busiest booths there. And I went back to our table and I said, this is, you know, this is what I observed. And we both kind of at the same time, we're like, has anybody ever made a journal for when you go to cons? I mean, for all that stuff you do, you know, you get all this stuff, you put it in a bag, you never do anything with it. What if you had a great binder to stick it all in, especially for that? So um, we sort of developed that idea. Ted started to try to find, you know, U.S. sources that would do really small runs. We did a Kickstarter that we funded. I mean, it was a little Kickstarter, but, you know, it was good. Um, And then we realized what we really knew in the t-shirt industry all along is that to forge a new path as a completely new brand without any kind of a hook into fans' lives was not, it was going to take more time and money than we had and that we really needed to be fandom related. Um, And I am really good friends with the people who run Creation Entertainment And one of my friends there said, you need to do the Supernatural conventions. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show Supernatural. Um, 
And so we, we made a, um, it wasn't like infringing at all. It was like this brown binder that had like vampires and werewolves and open source monsters in it. And we went to a show we like sold out. Those Supernatural fans, a Supernatural convention. They were, they were, oh, they're so awesome. And they just loved it. Um, and then from there, this is going to go into a really long story. From there, we were, you know, a couple, like a year down the road from that, we were at a creation supernatural event in Pasadena and a hot topic buyer came up to our table and she was like, I had no idea who she was. And she was like, do you guys ever wholesale? And I said, well, we haven't, but we would sure love to. And she gave me her card and I was like, Oh my God. Um, and from there we started corresponding with her and she basically was like, you know, you guys need to be licensed because we carry licensed stuff. So when we started out with Warner brothers, we, basically just had a little trial license with the supernatural, um, the supernatural license. And we started making memory keeping things, but then we started making replica things. Like we made the John Winchester journal, which is a replica in the show. Um, and then from there, our account person at Warner brothers has knew I was a lifelong Harry Potter fan. I probably talked to her about it every single time we had any kind of a meeting. Um, and she said, there's an opening. If you guys want to pitch for the license, I'm getting goosebumps. There's an opening. If you want to pitch for the license. And so I was like, Oh my God, it's a lot more money, but yes, yes, yes. So, um, we did. And it, it took, Let's see. I think we had that conversation in April or May. I finally got the presentation together. I feel like we finally sent it after several rounds in like September. And then we heard back in December that we, we got it. Um, and a planner was always in that original deck going back to like, so what year would that have been? 2017, the, the summer of 2017 when I made that, I always wanted to make a planner um, because I just – I just felt like, you know, there was a need for the market. And frankly, I wanted to have a Harry Potter planner. So, <laughs> so, so from that, we made the first planner and then we started adding more things. Like I, you know, I'm using like somebody else's notepads and I don't want to use anybody else's notepads. I want Harry Potter notepads. So, you know, that's kind of how we evolved. That's, we kind of look at what's on the market, where are there open places, what do I want to have? What is, you know, what would people like to see? What are trends? And then we try to make really cool things. For the listeners out there, certainly not for me, for all the listeners, because I am <laughs> the voice of the listeners. Could you explain what licensing is and why it's so important? Yes. Okay. So licensing, um, and I do feel like there's a little bit of a mystery about this. And um, actually on our YouTube channel, it's uh, conquest adventure because I couldn't get conquest journals on YouTube because of course I couldn't. Um, I have a little vlog series about being a licensed small business. Um, and one of the, one of the vlogs kind of goes into more depth about that, but basically anytime you use any character's name or any property, you are using somebody else's idea and you need to really pay them. Um, and so for example, with Warner brothers licensing, we are licensed for Harry Potter for the movies. So the assets that we get that Warner brothers provides artwork and they say, okay, here's a pool of things that you have to use in all of your designs or, you know, whatever. And then, and then we 
put together things and we have to go through legal and we have to go through their design department and and get approvals and we pay them for every on every single thing that we sell um so that's kind of there's like a it's called a royalty there's a percentage we pay to them to be able to use the name of harry potter to be able to use those images um, you can create new artwork sometimes and i know um, we have I know some other brands have, like I think Jujube, some of their bags, some of those patterns are completely um, unique and they're fantastic. Um, but you have to go through even more arduous approvals. Um, you know, so we're, it's not like we're, um, you know, calling up, you know, JK Rowling and being like, hey, we're going to make a planner. <laughs> you know, we're, we're working with Warner Brothers and, you know, they have a team of people in the home goods department that we, we talk to and we tell them what ideas we want to make. And, um, and we certainly have a set of parameters that we have to follow. Um, but, but with that comes the privilege of being able to legitimately use all of the names and all of the things and be able to say anytime we want Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter, because, you know, if you're not licensed, technically, you're not supposed to be using any of those things or saying any of those things. Um, with that said, fan art to me is a critical piece of any fandom. Um, and so I think our brand's goal is always to make licensed stuff that's as cool as fan art. So I think that a lot of brands have, a lot of big brands have a lot of licenses and they take assets and they slap it on a cover and it's easy to get approved. And, you know, I'm kind of the big pain in the ass. Like we put, you know, 350 assets in our planner. So when they, when they, get, when they get my upload and then I have to create a spreadsheet to send with them and then they have to go like, where did you find this? Um, and then our creative director, Tracy, who's fantastic, she takes the assets that they provide and, you know, we talk about an idea and I said, okay, for this year's planner, I want it to be like a student's planner. And I want it to have notes. And it can't be advanced potion making because nobody's allowed to make that book, incidentally. So it can't be that. But it can be like a student's book, like notes in the margins. And, you know, maybe we could put a cauldron offset on the cover and, you know, do these kinds of things. How can we do it? And she pulls apart those assets and puts them away back together so it's all their art but it it's totally our brand if that makes sense so i'm really fascinated by the entire business relationship side of 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 all the different merchandise and and mm -hmm. apparel and collectibles that exist out there so i'm going to nitpick and just pull one tiny thing out of that amazing answer you just gave you mentioned so you said that you're licensed officially for the harry potter movies mm-hmm so then do I take that to mean, hypothetically, right, you couldn't produce, like, for instance, anything from the books that's not in the movies. So, like, the right. Ravenclaw house colors are right. famously one of the examples, right? You couldn't produce a bronze and, and blue. Okay, that's fascinating. And we cannot use uh, the eagle unless there are a very few assets that actually have the eagle. Um, but as you know, the raven is what they represented in the movies. And so... You know, when we made the house planners last year, I mean, sure, we had, you know, a lot of people um, say, you know, why, why did you do that? It's like, we really literally have no choice. <laughs> if you wanted a Ravenclaw version, it's got to be a Raven because that's the film property. So, yeah. Um, and we can't, 
we have to be careful because, you know, Scholastic and all of the publishers are, are you know, have the original literary licensing for this. And, but we do kind of books. So it's, it's kind of this like dance of like, well, can we, can we get away with this or what, can, you know, where can we push the envelope to try to blur that? I think we're always trying to blur that film and book line if we can, if that makes sense. Sure. I guess the second follow-up I had, and then Danny, I promise I'll cede the floor to you. Talk to us a little bit. I know you mentioned it in, you know, talking a little bit about, you know, your original pitch deck and kind of the iterations it went through until you finally kind of had product in your hand, right? Talk mm-hmm. to us about, I mean, you know, as specific as you want to get. Um, so, yeah, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but talk to us about the general timeline of, hey, I have this idea. Here's kind of what I'm thinking, Warner Brothers, in terms of, you know, these are the assets I want to use to, hey, fans, this is now for sale. Click here to buy. So it depends on the product. Um, for example, there's one product I literally can't tell you about, but we're going to be releasing it pretty soon. I'm hoping, um, that has never been made before and we kind of made it. And then Warner Brothers was like, wait a minute, wait, what? And like, I just submitted it and they're like, uh, wait, we have to get special approvals for this. And we're like, Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm always trying to push the envelope. Um, and I love my Warner brothers people hundred percent. They're super supportive. Um, but, and also it depends on if universal is involved. So, um, one product I originally pitched was kind of completely geared to universal and that's a different, um, what's the word to say? That's like a different it's a different path from just regular consumer products. And that's how we met the Universal people was through Warner Brothers. And then when we released our first Harry Potter planner in 2019, um, she emailed me. She's like, hey, can I pick some of those up to put in the wizarding world? I'm like, oh, my God, what? <laughs> yes. Um, so it takes a little bit longer if they're involved because we make it. We go through all these iterations with Warner Brothers. And, and at the same time, you know, I'm working with the Universal people to make sure that they like it and approve it, too. Um, so that can add a couple of months. But a standard product, I would say, um, we started designing the 2021 planner in February, February or March, we were late pandemic. Um, and, and we submitted it in April. We did not get approval to go to production because of, um, changes and back and forth until June. So on a good project, you're going to get like maybe a month of that back and forth on a tougher project could be two to four months. Um, so once we were given approval to go to production, then we had to have pre-production samples made and those have to be approved. And then we can finally start making it. So given that we started designing in like February, March, those 2021 planners are going to be landing at the beginning of October, we're hoping. So easily six months on a regular basis. And that's like, that's like me getting hysterical and pushing it, you know, when it was like lagging, you know. We're going to backtrack a little. Okay. Because we skipped over some things. <laughs> let's get, because you've already said that you were a lifelong Harry Potter fan. Yes. So let's jump back and find out your house, 
your Patronus, and your favorite Harry Potter character? Okay, I'm Slytherin. Um, I was, I'll be completely honest, I was like kind of sad at first. And then my creative director, who's also Slytherin, said, are you kidding me? And I said, what? And she said, your ambition, honey. Who do you think you are? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and when I retested, when Pottermore changed to um, the Wizarding World website and I re retested, I came back as Ravenclaw and she was like, no, no. And I already had my green robe, so I'm like legitimately sticking with my Slytherin roots. Um, and I offset the dark side with my Patronus, which is a white stallion, which I was like, well, how did I get such a cool Patronus? I know, right? A white stallion, so cool. Um, and my favorite character is Harry. I mean, I don't know. I <laughs> said this on a Facebook group and a bunch of people like were like, what? No, no literally, legitimately, um, Harry Potter's my favorite character. I mean, he's the one who went through all the shit, right? I mean, he was the bravest and strongest and faced the worst, most difficult sacrifice. So, you know, he's it. We don't get the, we occasionally have gotten the answer of Harry Potter. And what I've found that I really like about the people who say their favorite character is Harry Potter is they have strong reasons behind it being him. Yes. Yep. And that's the thing that I'm like, I'm totally there for it because all the people that choose him have very valid and strong reasons for choosing him and not just because they like him. Right. Which right. is nothing wrong if you just like no, a character. No. If you just like the hero, but I'm, you know, in, in my fandoms, I tend to, I tend to, and I, you know, maybe that's not cool anymore, but you know, I was um, a Star Wars fan from, this is really going to age me, you guys. I saw the original movie when I was eight years old, seven times in the theater. And the theater was a half an hour away. That's how I badgered everybody to take me to see it over and over again. Um, and Luke was my favorite character. He was like my first crush, Luke Skywalker, my God. And, you know, when I watched Buffy, I mean, Buffy was my favorite character there. You know, and Harry in particular, I think some of my the most difficult but beautiful scenes in the books are when Harry's realizing these challenges he has to go through and he just faces them, you know, um, the ultimate being the walk in the woods, you know? So yeah. Goosebumps. Yep. How did you find Harry Potter? Like what is your Harry Potter origin story? Was it books first, movies first? And what was that journey look like for you? I was trying to remember when I read the books, and I'm going to say that it was before Goblet of Fire was released. So I think, or I, it was definitely before Order of the Phoenix, because I remember my mom and my sister and I all went out and got Order of the Phoenix at the same time. Um, so I'm thinking I read it in about 2000. Um, and it was because my now ex-husband um, worked in an accounting firm and he brought a paperback home from one of his flights. He had bought it at like a, at an airport bookstore. And he said, all, all the people are reading this book. And I was like, oh, let me read that book. And, you know, I read it and then I was like, I was like hooked. And that's where I started reading. And then I went to obviously every movie as it was released in the theaters from there because everything that I had read was pre-movie. So, and then when, um, 
when Half-Blood Prince was released and my kids were really little, I left them both with my husband at the time and went over to my sister's house and locked myself in the room and read it all like 24 hours. I came out to eat maybe one time. And yeah, so yeah, I got in, I got in a little bit of trouble for that. I got it. I was like, I don't, I don't care. You know, little kids are not going to let you do that. So even even non little kids, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. I want to, Danny. I'm I'm going back here. I'm I'm replaying like four minutes ago in my head. Still, I'm fascinated beyond fascinated by if we want to use your house and your Patronus and your favorite character as identifying characteristics, I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by that combination. Right. So to build on what Danny said, we like, we like when anyone has any reason beyond just, Oh, I like that mm-hmm. for their favorite character or things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it just, I think the combination of being a Slytherin, which, and, and I, I say being a Slytherin in the sense that the books are very much written from, with the with the slant that you're meant to dislike the Slytherin, or you're meant right. to like the Slytherins, dislike everybody else. Right, right, right. So, therefore, and I guess perhaps because you read them actually with like a fully formed cerebral cortex, and you weren't like mm-hmm. a kid, right, you were able to read them critically rather than just yes. as an emotional child. So yes. maybe that factors in. But I'm fascinated by someone who, who identifies as a Slytherin finds Harry to be their favorite character, and then if I want to take it one step further, talking about Harry walking into the forest, right, you're Patronus being a white stallion for me, just the whole, the whole combo of everything you said there. And that's why I was quiet for the past four <laughs> minutes. Not because I was being courteous, right? Like, you know, and I looked and, and behold a pair, a pale horse and, you know, and his, and his name that sat on him was death, right? Oh. It, it's a very fascinating just combination of, of characteristics that we definitely, it's, it's a very unique, I don't have a question here. Just, it's a very unique kind of, uh, combination that we definitely haven't seen on this podcast yet. I feel like, I feel like, um, you know, for, for Slytherins, like Tracy as a Slytherin, and I swear to God, she's got a very strong Hufflepuff side. Um, you know, she's like a big horror fan, right? She likes scary stuff. I mean, you know, she, You know, she was huge Walking Dead fan, you know, for a while. I mean, I loved The Walking Dead too, but, you know, I think that you, you know, the people who are in Slytherin you usually think are are maybe a little bit more edgy and, you know, certainly more edgy than me. And, you know, that's fine because I get to be a little bit cooler to be associated with them, I guess. Um, You know, I just, um, but there is no denying. I remember one time my sister did sort of, I don't know, a personality test on me or she was going through personality test training with her work. She was in staffing and she said, whatever I was. And she said, it's not to say that you don't have a lot of empathy and it's not to say that you don't love everybody around you, but you will step on people to get where you want to go. And then you're going to feel bad about it. And I'm like, God, that sounds horrible. And we both laughed um, and then when I was like Slytherin, I'm like, oh, maybe there's like, <laughs> I'm like not, I mean, I don't do that, like actively, you know, step on anybody or anything crazy like that. But, um, but yeah, there's some sort of, there's gotta be a thread there because I've unfortunately heard it more than once. <laughs> it's funny as you, as you mentioned, you know, um, you're going to step on people, but you'll feel bad about it. I conjured yeah. up Ron saying, you're going to suffer. 
but you'll be happy when they're reading the ticket, right? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) So one of one of the things we always enjoy doing is asking people to compare and contrast portrayals from the books to portrayals in the movies. And instead of asking it super broadly, seeing as uh, we're on this Slytherin bend now, might as well just dive full in. You know, admitting certainly that a lot of the Slytherin character development and plots were kind of narrowed down and boiled down into the movies mm-hmm. just for, you know, whatever, you know, production reasons sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about, about the Slytherin representation that we get in the movies? You know, predominantly, I would say it's, you know, the Malfoys, Professor Snape and Professor Slughorn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how do you feel about what we saw on screen? How do you feel about relative to the books? How do you feel about it? Arguably, Snake, 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 Snape was one of the, Professor Snape was one of the, um, and I really hated him, so I'm sorry. But, um, but I do understand that he was actually one of the bravest characters um, of all, um, which, and he was a Slytherin. So I think that there were things, I think you have to have like, you know, the good guys and the bad guys. And I was kind of thinking about the two houses I associate with because I feel like the two like least friendly houses are Ravenclaw and Slytherin. And so that's like where I've been falling. Um, and, and I think that if there were other books in the world or, and I did not finish Cursed Child. Um, I, I'm sorry. I, I started at night. No. Um, so so I can't talk to that portrayal of Slytherin from that perspective. Um, but in the main books and in the movies, it does seem to be very black and white. And then in the battle, they're, they're like sent in the, into the dungeon as if, as if nobody was going to fight for Hogwarts. Like every single person is Slytherin was like Malfoy's best friend. No. Um, but so it would have been great to have a little more dimension, but I understand for literary purposes and for, you know, the dramatic, Let's make these kids be the bad kids. You know, that's why they did it from a story perspective. One of the other things I think is particularly fascinating that I hadn't really thought about until you mentioned it on the back end of that answer is, you know, saying not all Slytherin students, you know, saying that not all Slytherin students wouldn't, that's a lot of negatives, boy, (laughs) saying that not all Slytherin students wouldn't have wanted to fight for Hogwarts. Right. One of the more defining traits I think of when I think of any of the Slytherins in the book is their loyalty and devotion to Hogwarts, yeah. right? Say what you will about Voldemort and everything that he has stood for, but one of the things that we learn about Tom Riddle that's crucial to his development as as a human, as a character, is that he loved that school. He, he loved, loved that castle. Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. And the Slytherins, I mean, by rights, they think that they have more of a right to be in Hogwarts than anybody else. Because they only believe in the, you know, pure bloods, which of course I don't, I don't believe in that at all. I mean, that's just horrible. Um, and I understand again why they were portrayed that way. But, but if you are arguing that perspective, you would say if there's one house who's going to defend Hogwarts and think that they should be there, it should be the Slytherin house, really. You know. Um, And I want to also speak to, I just posted about this yesterday because as sci-fi's had the movies on, I just have them playing all day while I'm working. Um, And one thing that drives me crazy, and I know this drives a lot of other fans crazy, is Dumbledore's portrayal in movies three through the end, right? And in particular, like when he yells at Harry in the Goblet of Fire and everybody cracks up at that, like, because in the book it's like, you know, Dumbledore gently says Harry... (laughs) And the movie is screaming. 
Even a strong Dumbledore opinions. Which, well, actually, this actually raises a really good question. Mm-hmm. If you were to design a very specific Goblet of Fire, Dumbledore, Harry scene for any of your products, yeah. you would therefore have to utilize shouting Michael Gambon because yeah. you can't use the calmly. Right, right. Oh, so, that is mind-blowing. It is. So what you do in that case is you don't do it. You don't, if there's something that you know, like as a fan, like for Ravenclaws, we had to do it because we couldn't not make them a planner. That would have been, you know, and they were in universal. So, and we're the ones that love planners. Right. And well, it's so true, right? <laughs> um, um, so, but ultimately the things that I don't like in the movies, they don't, they don't end up in our stuff. So, I mean, like another great example of that was, um, in Half-Blood Prince, that movie was on, was that yesterday or this morning? I can't remember. I've watched him over and over again so many times. Um, and the part where, you know, Dumbledore puts out his arm and he says, do as I say. And I'm like, that would have never happened. First of all, Harry wouldn't have been like, looking like he's going to run away from Dumbledore. And second of all, Dumbledore would have never been like, do as I say. Like Harry's, you know, a, a nine-year-old that he's got to, yeah, that part just drives me up a wall. So, yeah. Okay, rant over. <laughs> You're okay, Stephen. Looks like he has opinions. No, this is just so fascinating to me because I, I, I have all of my opinions and I've espoused them many a time on this podcast. <laughs> I just... To, to to be, I don't want to say cre- creatively boxed in, because again, to have the license is an incredible thing in and of itself that opens up so many possibilities. But to be, to be um, for, for your parameters to be set strictly to the movie's visualization and, and presentation of, of the canon is just so fascinating. Well, and I'll tell you, because for this planner, for the new planner in particular, um, I had a lot more, we had a lot more stuff in it. We had a lot more notes. We had a lot more nods and Easter eggs that we had to take out um, because they were concerned it would, you know, confuse the fans. And I'm like, this is not going to confuse the fans. But, you know, we have parameters that we have to work within and, that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't understand because I think, you know, when I watch unboxing videos and people are un- unboxing, you know, all of this great unlicensed stuff, well, any fan artist or any creator who's not going through a licensing, they have literally no rules. They can pick up their very favorite quote, their very favorite like screen grab or whatever and use it in any way they want change the words, put it on anything. And it's like, you know, and that's one of the challenges. That's why the licensees get, you know, kind of honked off sometimes because it's like, okay, well, if they can go do whatever they want and we're the ones who are officially licensed, but we have this lane we have to stay in. And that's, that's one of the biggest challenges. But again, that's why I feel like we are always pushing those boundaries because, um, we will put a lot more into it and knowing that, I mean, if we're lucky and they give us really Warner brothers gives us a huge amount of bandwidth. We're super fortunate to work with the team because they appreciate us and they understand who we are for as small of a brand as we are. They like, 
they like get it, um, you know, and they're like, keep pushing it, you know, keep, keep bringing all of that, you know, specialty to what you do. And Universal says the same thing. I mean, they're super supportive of, of what we do, but we do have, you know, sometimes we have to get, um, we have to get chopped a little bit. We have to get like trimmed back. <laughs> and I feel like that's a lot of why people love your stuff because when it comes to like other places that have licensing, a lot of it is just, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Whereas behind your licensing, you are a fan. Yeah. So you know them. It's, you don't have, I'm sure you do the research. You don't have to because you know them. It's, it's internal almost because yep. you've been, you are a complete fan of the product and what you're working with. Whereas other places where people are a little like, Eh, about the merchandise it's because the people creating them are creating them because that's what they're supposed to do versus right being a fan of that thing right right and I think I mean I will they'll they'll ask me something and I'll be like well actually they'll say you know well which wand is this and and they'll say is this Harry's you know wand and I'm like well actually Harry had three, nay, four wands when you really think about it. And then I like, I, you know, and I go off on this tangent where, (laughs) you know, I'm like, okay, this is why we did it. And Harry, blah, blah, blah. And this one, blah, blah, blah. And this is what it, you know. So sometimes because I can give that, that backing to it, um, I think that they'll, that's why they do like listen to us and give us a little bit more um, leeway from that. Um, and also I think the big brands are, you know, they have a product line that they just standardly make and they're going to make those products for every license that they have. Right. So it's like, you know, we make, you know, notebooks, we're going to make Harry Potter and we're going to make, you know, Walt Disney and we're going to make blah, 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 blah. And they're all kind of the same. And they, part of the thing I think that they probably do because they are so large and trying to get so much product made is pick assets that are easy, things that are easy that will get approved fast. And you know, that, that happens. And because of that, they can make things a lot faster than we can, but I don't want to make those things. (laughs) So (laughs) I only want to make things that are really cool. So, yeah. So I'm really curious and we don't have to name names and, and get personal about this, but I've always wondered for the people who like are working with the IP at Warner Brothers or working mm-hmm. with the IP at Scholastic or wherever they're working, right? Mm-hmm. Are these people just very good, you know, professional business people or like, are they also people who love Harry Potter, right? Are these, yeah. like, what, what, what does it mean to them? I would say that one of the higher up um, contacts at Warner Brothers, so fantastic. Um, I just adore her and she's a huge Harry Potter fan. I mean, when, when I met her at the licensing expo, she had like her Hufflepuff lanyard on and, you know, she was like, Oh my God. Like I gave her a Hogwarts binder. She was so excited. And I'm like, wait till I get you a Hufflepuff planner. Um, so that was cool because we were like geeking out together. Um, the buyers at universal, um, these people are like my kindred spirits. We love all the same things. They were like looking at my bookshelf. We talk about like Buffy together on top of Harry Potter. Like they are so excited to be working in the world they're working in and with the things they're doing. It's still a lot of hard work, but 
they are huge fans. So to me, that makes it just, you know, a million times better. For Supernatural, we really understood a, a lot more of a difference because it's such a niche, you know, and for the most part, we really did have more knowledge about a lot of Supernatural stuff than a lot of people we were talking to. And I think there are people, obviously, for Warner Brothers, they're so huge and they have so many properties. They all literally can't be fans of everything. But I do feel like there is a mix of, you know, I definitely have met people who are, you know, pretty much on the professional side of it. Um, and they respect it and they're happy about it, but they're not fans. And then there are people who, you know, like our, our girl who's wearing her Hufflepuff lanyard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was always curious if it was, you know, people who are passionate or people who's like, well, today we're here to talk about Doombly. <laughs> right. And uh, anywho, that yeah. I, I appreciate that peek behind the curtain. Uh, yeah. You know, even if they're not a fan of it, their respect for the Harry Potter brand is immense. So they're, they're never nothing to do with Harry Potter. Are they ever like, Oh, okay. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, look, not to, not to get too Machiavellian about it, but it pays for a lot of people's salaries out there. Yep. So the, yeah. yeah, the respect has to be, yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Yeah. Last, last question I have. And then I'm sure Danny wants to get into a, a potpourri of Harry Potter opinions. <laughs> just, you know, for you as, as a, as a business owner, as, a person who's passionate about Harry Potter, when you say to yourself, like, hey, I am, I don't know the industry well enough, so I I don't want to say first market mover, but hey, I'm an early entrant into this space and I have an official license from Warner Brothers. Like, what does that mean to you? Well, oh gosh, this is hard to, um, because as a fan, um, when we were awarded awarded that license, it was, like one of the ultimate, you know, highs of my professional life. Um, what an amazing moment for me personally, be, being a fan and having Warner Brothers uh, believe in us, our little small business like that was just such an incredible boon. I mean, just, um, and it was also super scary because it's a lot more expensive than, you know, we were originally licensed for with Supernatural. So it was, it was scarier because, you know, you have this, this bigger um, financial commitment. And, you know, I think though, I think we've learned a lot because I really, I really thought having the Harry Potter license in so many ways was just going to open up so many doors for us. But the reality is there are so many brands with the license that, you know, there are these established relationships with some of the big, you know, publishers like Inside Editions and, you know, so they already, they're already out there. They're already, so me, it's me like emailing and, you know, trying to find out the buyer at Target and, you know, hounding on Barnes and Noble for two and a half years and visiting the stores and still not getting any, you know, any, any ground. You know, it's like we're an official licensee and we make stuff that would be so perfect in Barnes and Noble. So that's the kind of thing that I think has been hard for me in this whole process is not that it hasn't opened some doors. It has, but it hasn't been as easy as I thought it was going to be from that perspective, if that makes sense. Well, look, I was always team boarders growing up (laughs) and I've reluctantly just out of no other option become a Barnes and Noble fan. If you want our thousands of listeners to take action, you say so. And we will hit the streets with picket signs (laughs) and we will be protesting outside of every Barnes and Noble in America. (laughs) 
They will be the most creative signs you have ever seen. Oh, I know. I couldn't even imagine. That would be fantastic. You will mobilize the movement. No, I don't. I don't want uh, people in a pandemic taking to the streets outside of Barnes and Noble. Um, but that's super fun to think about. I wish I could just say, "Yeah, you guys, go get them." Hey, I look. I wish I could say yeah too, because that would mean we had enough listeners to really blanket America with Barnes and Noble protests. Blanket America with your with your hundreds or thousands or dozens of listeners. Yay! <laughs> you hit the nail on the head as you progress in that number. In that number. Uh, oh, jeez. Well, you know, same with me and my followers. So I could mobilize my, you know, hundred really good fans or whatever. <laughs> All right, Danny, now that I've been self-deprecating for this episode, I think I'm done. Well, let's move into some random Harry Potter questions. Okay. They're all opinion-based. There's no right or wrong answer unless Stephen has de- deemed a question has his answer is the only answer. <laughs> okay. So let's start with, if you attended Hogwarts, no matter the generation or age of the character, who would your friend group be? Wow, this is super hard. I have never, I would want to be friends with Harry and Ron and Hermione because, because I'd want to be with a smart girl. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would probably be obsessed with Harry and I would have unrequited love. Who was that? Ramil Devane? I might be poor Ramil Devane. But I wouldn't even be in Gryffindor, which would be so tragic. There's nobody in Slytherin I want to hang out with. I don't know. I'd probably be friends with a group of Hufflepuffs. Who <laughs> would be nice enough to, like, to let me be their friend even though I was a Slytherin. That's probably what would happen. Hufflepuffs embrace everyone. They do. My daughter's a Hufflepuff. It's funny because each member of my family is different. My ex-husband was Gryffindor. My daughter was a Hufflepuff. I'm Slytherin, and my son is so a Ravenclaw. So it's really, it's crazy. We're not accepting of everybody, Danny. We're not accepting of people. Business relationships aside, we are not respected. We are are not accepting of people who believe Michael Gambon to be the best portrayal of Albus Dumbledore. We're not, I'm sorry. Um, We will gladly take anybody in. We'll be friendly. We'll be loving. We'll give you cookies. But if you tell me, if you sit here on my screen on 50% of this podcast that I own, and you tell me that Michael Gambon is the best portrayal of Alice Dumbledore, I, boy, to the the dungeons. I know. I mean, my daughter and I, we will still watch the first two movies and we look at each other wistfully as Richard Harris is on this, you know, on screen. We're like, ah, I mean, so sad, right? So... Yeah. We'll never get over that. Steven won't either. Poor Michael Gambon. I'm sorry, Michael Gambon. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not because he brought this on himself. He's admitted that he did not read the source material ahead of time. And I'm not saying that you I have to read I did not know that. Yeah, correct. So I'm not saying you have to go necessarily and read all seven books. Like if, if that's not your style of prepping for a role, okay. But like might behoove you to just do a little bit of like best Dumbledore quotes and just read some of those, you know? Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen. So I don't, I don't feel sorry for him because he brought this upon himself. <laughs> Speaking of Dumbledore, I have a fun fact to tell you guys. Ooh. So I'm, I am such a longtime fan that when Half-Blood Prince came out, there was this ginormous speculation that Dumbledore was not dead. And I was a member of an online community called Dumbledore is not dead. Literally that we would have, <laughs> <laughs> and we would have 
discussion group, very in-depth, um, um, you know, research of the text about trying to find, you know, clues or hints that Dumbledore was not dead. I remember, like, in my head, I remember that community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So other people are, like, shipping different characters. No, I'm just in denial about Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So one more question. Mm-hmm. If you could have any of the books from the perspective of a different character, which book and who? And it could be just for like, I just want to hear about this character from this book, not necessarily to do anything with the plot line. I would like to read, I have so many answers. I would like to read Order of the Phoenix from Dumbledore's perspective. What the hell was he doing the whole book? Where was he? What was he doing? Because um, Harry didn't know, and he was never around, and Umbridge was a lunatic. Okay, so what was Dumbledore doing? I want to know. Um, Half-Blood Prince, from Dumbledore's perspective, and possibly from Malfoy's perspective, from Draco's perspective. I think, I think um, both of those. And any book from Snape's perspective at all, except it would be really hard because you know he loathes Harry and Harry's my favorite. But what I would be looking for from Snape is some humanity in there. Some points of, because we know he protected him and he did things for him at different times. And I don't know, was that because he genuinely felt for him or was it because of his oath to Dumbledore or was it just his love for Lily? I mean, so... See, I have, that was, a, I could, I could keep going on, but that's, I'll cut it off there. <laughs> oh no, you're good. I've been reading the Twilight book from Edward's perspective. So it's been on my mind lately of what I would like to see happen in Harry Potter. If I ever had a different. I finished it three days after it came out. Midnight Sun. Yep. Yep. Finished it three days after it came out. Um, I met everybody I know now because of the Twilight fandom. So I hope it doesn't turn off all of the Harry Potter people, but I totally did. Um, we were in an online community for the Twilight Lexicon, and I met my business partner's wife doing a book discussion um, because I started an online book club for that. So, um, yeah, and, and what's interesting about that is um, some of the reviewers came back and said, you know, we don't get it. You know, the, the story's not new. It's like, no, it's not supposed to be. It's the story from a different from a different character's perspective and how much wouldn't you love to see all of their like I would love to see all of the books in his perspective mm -hmm. um but Stephanie Meyer said she would never do it because he made her his anxiety yeah. is too hard to write and new moon he was like in a dark room basically dry crying the whole time so yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I love that question that was a great question my answer is always going to be book seven from Neville. <gasps> oh, that's I also really love cool. Neville. So Yes. And what a glow up that actor had, right? I mean, he's a beautiful young man. All right, Stephen, what's your answer? What book? You know, it's funny. Danny asked this question a lot and I've never really put any thought into it because she's never really asked me. So I've never <laughs> had to put any thought into it. Oh, I have no idea. I, I, 
I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna postpone my answer for a future okay. episode because I need to put some actual thought into this rather than just giving like a jackass answer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll put some thought into okay. it. For all the listeners, you'll get a payoff in a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bradley wanted book two from Dobby's perspective. <laughs> he just wanted That's to know. Really funny. <laughs> he really, his response was he wanted to know what in the world Dobby was thinking that this was going to save Harry. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. And and I got to tell you, Chamber of Secrets, I don't know if this is like widely felt. It's my least favorite book and my least favorite movie. Um, that's kind of known, right? So, and, and Dobby, as beloved as he is now, I mean, what a pain in the ass he was, right? <laughs> yes. So what was going on in that little brain of his? Yeah, I don't know. So one of the things we love doing on our podcast is shouting out creators or just people who do things that we like and appreciate and enjoy. So if you have someone, great. If not, that's okay too. But we're going to take some time to shout out some of the people that we're just enjoying lately. I'd love to do that. I have a a few. um, One of my um, best friends, and I love her YouTube channel, is Alana King. Um, she's at King Books. She does a lot of fandom stuff, a lot of Supernatural, but a lot of Harry Potter too. And she's a fan, fantastic editor. And she's just a really, um, she's a doll. I love her dearly. Um, I also, and this is probably going to surprise nobody, but I, I obsess over the Potter Collector. Um, and I have spent way too much money watching Peter's videos and then going out and buying the stuff that he has on his videos because it all looks too cool and it's trouble, but I love him and I can't help it. Um, and then, you know, recently I've been interacting more with Potter Graham and it's been really, um, Brandy at Simply Potter Girl. It's one of my favorites. She's so sweet and I love all of her content. Um, she's Okay. I'm kidding. She's one of our really good friends. No, no. Her her ego's way too big already. She doesn't need to hear that she's sweet. She doesn't need to know. She's okay. Oh, my God. She's such a good – she's such a good person. Um, And obviously, um, the magical Latina and Paula um, and – oh, my gosh. Wizarding World Style, he cracks me up. Um, And I'm going to forget people who I love, and I'm going to feel really bad about it. Oh, Miss Wizarding World. I love watching her stuff and her baby is just the cutest thing ever. So I'm like, Oh, what's her baby doing today? You know, I mean, I, I watch all of her like universal walkthroughs, but yeah. And if there's any of, of the Harry Potter creators I'm forgetting on Instagram, but I just love them. And they've been so accepting into the community because our community was really heavily supernatural, but I've obviously been a fan of all of it. So when I started posting more Harry Potter content and, and I, and it was a little bit of an uphill battle at first to start to be known within the Harry Potter community, but everybody's been really great and really accepting. I, we really appreciate that. So I've got two, Danny. One was already mentioned and I said, we weren't going to give her more shine than she already gets, but here <laughs> I go. Um, Brandy, who we love and, and who, who we know very, very closely. Um, in addition to being an evangelist of conquest journals, posted just a really great photo for back to Hogwarts day. Um, one of the coolest edits I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was one of my shout outs for today. And then my second is again, today is back to Hogwarts day. So at the time of recording September 1st, today is my good friend, the pod's good friend, Iana's birthday, nerd pinsta. 
Um, Iana, I am minutes away from hopping on the Potter Big Vat live sale to see what hijinks y'all get into for the night. So happy birthday to you. Hope it was lovely. And yeah, that, that's who I got, Danny. How about you? I'm going because it is back to Hogwarts. I've been running through the hashtag today. Mona Snow, that is also her handle. And she has this great picture of her going with the cart through the platform nine and three quarters wall. And it's just great. Her other photos are great too, but it's just, it's just pure joy. So, and before we finish up, let us know where we can find you on the socials, anywhere that we can also pre-order those upcoming. The Harry Potter 2021 Hogwarts planner. Yes. Um, so the pre-orders, there's a special pre-order sale right now. They're only $22.99. We were able to um, reduce some of our production costs and really bring them in at a better cost than we could last year, which was really great. So the Harry Potter 2021 Hogwarts planners can be pre-ordered at conquestjournal.com at a um, really special price for pre-order, just $22.99. And then they'll go up after the pre-order period. So I think they're going to start shipping in early October, we're hoping. On Instagram, we're Conquest Journals. On Twitter, Again, because we can't get Conquest Journals everywhere, we're Quest Underline Journals. On YouTube, we're Conquest Adventure. <laughs> Facebook, Conquest Journals. Yes. Okay, that's it. You guys, thank you so much for having me on tonight. I just, I hope I didn't, you know, <laughs> ramble on great. too much. <laughs> no, it was great, actually. It was very informative. We had a lot of fun. And thank you so much for being willing to do this. Oh, yeah. of course. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I'm going to go buy something tonight because I am going to, tr- this is going to be like, like chapter 35 of day one of me trying to become more organized. Okay, Stephen, here's what you do. We have notepads. You don't have to do them every day like you do a planner. There's a daily planner pad. You use it one day. If you don't use it again, big deal. You tear it off and you have a fresh sheet. Um, We also have a little list pad that you can hang on your fridge. And if you just want to make your little to-do list, you do that. And if you don't, it's no big deal because it's just one sheet of paper. It's not a whole book that you feel like you're not keeping up with. You know what I mean? Deal. There's your answer. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Accio organization. Yay. Accio organization. There it is. Get, get that past Warner Brothers and I will buy that. <laughs> I think I have it in the planner somewhere. I think Beautiful. we get it in there this year. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Shelly. We look forward to seeing you whenever we're able to see people at conventions again. If that's in six months or if that's in six years, we'll be there. Yes. Yes. I hope so, too. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) 